Hey, you're listening to Just Say the Word. I'm your host, Erin Sanchez, and this is a storytelling podcast. In every episode, you'll hear a story from me or my guests from around the world. Then we'll encapsulate a key lesson from that story in just one word you can apply in your own life or business. If you're an entrepreneur looking to get inspired and make your mark on the world, you're in the right place. Your story is your legacy, and I want to help you tell it better. Visit candidlyerin.com for more writing, communications, and personal branding advice. Hey everyone, I have Joyce Glass on the show with me today. I'm super excited to have Joyce here because she's a writer, speaker, and a coach who helps other writers bring their books to life. And you know how I feel about writing and reading and all that good stuff. So super excited to speak with Joyce after she spent four years to complete her own first book and feeling completely overwhelmed throughout that process. She knew there had to be a better way and her system, the right plan was born. Joyce, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to be here, Erin. It's lots of fun to talk with other writers uh, about our writing world, and so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to pick your brain. As you know, I, I, I don't usually do questions, but I was like, look, I know my audience is going to want to hear. Well, I, I do questions, but not organized questions, right, around right. A, a topic. Um, of course, we're going to grab your story, but I do have some questions for you about the writing process and, and what people can um, do, you know, with their own books and writing. So um, the first question that I want to ask you is to kind of get that story piece, which is when did you first have that spark that told you writing is your thing? Well, the first spark was when my son was younger. I had been working full time and going to school for, you know, seven years. We had been married and I had gone to school part time and worked full time. And after having him, it's like my life went and we well, he was about four months old, we moved to a new town. Life just felt like it went to a screeching halt being home alone with my child all day. Right. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, obviously there's plenty of things to do with a baby, but mentally I didn't have a whole lot of things to do and it was driving me crazy. So I started journaling, which led to writing some short stories, which led to a writing group. And I, we published a little book of short stories together. Um, I can't, I'm trying to remember the title of mine, something about butter beans. Um, <laughs> I said, I'm a Sankey. It was a new term I created because my parents are from Maryland, but I was raised in the Atlanta area. So mm. technically I'm a Southerner with Northern parents. And if you hang out in the South too long, you know, being a Southerner is a big thing. Right. And um, so I couldn't really claim roots to either because I was never lived up north, but I didn't have the typical Southern upbringing either. Mm. And so I said, I'm a Sankey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you carved out your own niche. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, there's a lot of us, and especially in the Atlanta area, because a lot of people would move from the north to the south Atlanta area, you know still a growing area, but especially 70s, 80s, 90s, it was, you know, always a popular area to be. And so I wrote some, and then when my son was around three, I got on this wild tangent of doing interior design for about nine years. Mm. And when the economy crashed, um, so did my business. Uh, You know, interior design's kind of low on the totem pole of (laughs) financial responsibilities. So that led to a two-year stint being a New York life agent. And I realized after two years, that was really not where I wanted to be. And I had this, the last six months I was there, I really struggled with, am I not just giving enough time or is this not for me? What am I supposed to do in life? And you know that, who am I? What am I here for? I went through that for a while. Memorial Day weekend, I was listening to a pastor and he was talking to high school students about, you know, God can use their natural gifts for their career. And he said, if you could, money was no object and you could do anything all day long, what would it be? And it's like this light bulb went off and it said, not New York life. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but what would it be? And it's like, I love to read. I love to teach. I loved um, writing. And I, you know, I hadn't written in years. And I thought, I could write. I could write Bible studies. I could write, maybe even write a novel. I had thought, thought about writing a novel years ago. And um, finally, 
it just dawned on me, okay, this is what I got to do. And so I started pursuing that. And, but to pursue that, I had to work some part-time jobs along the way mm-hmm. while I worked on my book. And I wanted them flexible so that I'd have days for writing um, because I was really serious about becoming a writer. Right. And so I started searching courses online and webinars and books to read. And I just started learning as much as I can. And then it just morphed from there. No, that's great. I love that story. And I think one of the things that you point out there that I think a lot of writers or business owners in general um, maybe need to take to heart, which is sometimes we have to do something else part-time while we're getting our dream going. And I know that was something that was really hard for me because I just wanted to go all in. I didn't want to work for anybody else anymore. And and that was a real challenge. So, you know, kudos to you for for going that route. It is, and luckily I was blessed with a boss that, um, he was an eye doctor, optometrist, that I could work part-time, and some days I got to work from my home, because he really didn't have room in the office for me, and so I only worked three days a week for him, and other days I was at home, I could work on my writing, so it was great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's always, um, you know, they say people quit bosses, not jobs. So it sounds like you had a great boss, um, which is a huge, yeah, huge part of the the process. Um, So, okay, so you you found that spark for writing with journaling, you went on this journey of other careers and businesses, and you eventually came back full circle to writing. Where did the, um, the book coaching start? So when did that kind of come into the picture? Well, like I said, when I, you know, I talked to about writing, um, I love to teach. Mm-hmm. And as I was learning about writing, of course, I would share with other people. We'd be in different Facebook groups and I'd tell them what I learned and they you know, would ask me questions. And it just went, or if I told somebody that I was a writer and they would ask questions and it, it just was a natural progression from there that I thought, hmm, I might could help these people. And so I just started very small with a couple of clients and worked my way up. And through it, I learned about coaching. I learned about speaking, you know, professionally, because that's actually where it started from, too. I was taking um, conferences and courses about speaking professionally. And those people, a lot of them want to write a book. Mm-hmm. And, but they didn't know how. They didn't know where to start. And, of course, I had just been through the process. And so I said, you know, through the different courses I took, I learned how to systematize my writing process so that I could teach it to people and in a way that was easy for them to understand. And because writing's a messy journey. Yes. (laughs) But if you have a process, and I'm a process girl, give me a process. I can do anything you need me to do, you know, and that, that's what helped me. And so it was just a natural progression. And I am, of course, my business has grown over the past four years since I've been doing it, and it's grown and morphed and continues to, which is normal, to help people. And and I, I love right now, we're doing Write My Book Boot Camp uh, with a group, and they are loving it. This is the second go around. We uh, did a beta course back in the fall and then introduced it again in February, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is helping me so much because the big thing that the lot of writers have that I really help them is they have all these ideas out here, but they don't know how to get them organized and in a manner like, oh, that makes sense. Right. That works for their reader, you know, and I help them take all that information. And I said, think of it as a big jigsaw puzzle. And you've got all these little tiny pieces, like the thousand dollar, thousand pieces, you know, jigsaw puzzles with the teeny tiny pieces. Yeah. And you're trying to put all that together, but you're not sure where to start. And I give them a framework to start and it's flexible. That's what I love about it too, because again, they can customize it to their personality, how they want it. They want more information, research or less, you know, it's an easy process for them to go through. So it's been fun. And I yeah. love it when they light up. Um, we we do a group coaching call once a week, and after every call, I'm just pumped because I'm like, yes, <laughs> and I'm helping them, and it just brings joy to me to help people like that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think honestly, the best route, and this is something I could go on a 
a tangent about, which I won't, but the best route to coaching or, or any kind of like advisory type of um, business, I think is a natural progression of, you know, I've gone through this. Now I'm using what I learned to help others. And it kind of naturally progresses because I see a lot of people trying to jump into the coaching world not truly understanding what it means to be a coach. Um, so I love that your story, um, you know, took that route. That's awesome. Um, so you talked about system, you, you mentioned a system and I know that your, um, the right plan is a system and a system is a set of principles or procedures according to which something is done an organized scheme or method. Um, why do you think systems are so important for writers? I know you just mentioned that it's, it's a messy process, so that, that's kind of self-apparent, but why do you think systems are so important? Well, it gives us that path to run on because hmm. you can, while you're you know, running around on this messy process, you can go and you can see milestones. Okay, chapter one is gonna be about this, and chapter two is gonna be about this, chapter three is about this, and I need stories to go with these. I need to find some research to go in chapter three so I can have some stats that go support my information. You know, it, it helps take that big old glob of information that we have up here that we wanna get out of our head and help people with, whether that's telling your memoir or a business book because I specialize in nonfiction as it helps you to get it all out there when you have a system and a process and the mm -hmm. big thing that I teach too that um, all of my students have made comments on is you speaking about me they go like you teach about focusing on the reader and, she, and a lot of them said everything that I've heard about writing doesn't doesn't always take it from that viewpoint and I said, yes, yeah, like Stephen Covey says, you begin with the end in mind. What do you want that reader to think, feel, or do after they read your book? Mm -hmm. That's one of the big questions that they ask, and it's part of the right plan. And when you ask yourself those questions and you th get your mind in the mind of the reader, when that reader then goes and reads your book, they're going to be going, oh my goodness, were they sitting in my living room listening to our conversation the other night? I was just talking about this and I didn't know and here it is right you know and if you ever had that where you're reading a book and you're like I just asked about this yeah oh for sure and that's that's what I call um this kind of it's a corny I call it just for myself and maybe in a webinar someday but it's like heaven sent content something that comes right when you needed it or right when you were thinking about it and that's the same thing that I work on with my clients around just for example, their marketing promotional copy and things like that. What are people thinking? And they go, oh my gosh, I was just struggling with this. Or I just had this question. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, or, and I have a couple of the girls in the group. One of them had been thinking about writing her book for 20 years. But mm. she thought of it as this big, huge, massive thing. So mm -hmm. whenever she wanted to do it, she couldn't do it. She was paralyzed. Yeah. And when I broke it down for her and made her realize there's baby steps you can take to build on this. She yeah. was like, ah, I get it now. Yeah, you know, I get it. And, and so she's now she's at 20,000 words and still ticking along. So yeah, I'm huge on frameworks and systems. That's how my brain works. I'm a strategy, you know, thinker. And so I need that. So yeah, I love that you, you take that approach. Um, and, you know, I always think about things as a puzzle too. And you said, um, you know, kind of like the framework and how people put it together. And it, and it's, it makes sense. It's like, start, you know, you start a puzzle with the corners and I teach about cornerstone content. And it's like, just literally um, the puzzle analogy is so perfect. So thank you for sharing those insights. Um, so what are some of the biggest struggles that authors face in your experience and what would your advice for them be? I have the big three. The first okay. one is time. Yeah. Everybody struggles to make the time because most new writers are not writing full-time so they've got to fit it around jobs and kids and family and events and church and whatever else they have going on in their life and that is the big thing and so I teach them how to find pockets of time if you I mean 15 minutes a day you don't think you're going to get that far but once you get writing good, you can write 500,000 words in 15 minutes. Oh, sure. They may yeah. not be the most pretty, but they're 
out there. And then yeah. you, when you have more time, like on the weekend, take an hour or two and kind of go over what you wrote and pretty it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. And then two is the one I just mentioned, organization. Um, they don't know where to start. They don't know how to organize. Those are the big things. And so when I work with my clients, um, whether it be one-on-one or in the course, I, that system helps them break it down so that they can get it organized. And then the last one um, is a big one, but I tell them all writers do this is confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, having the confidence that what their story is powerful enough, their information's good enough, they're qualified enough. You know, I've, you know, some people are like, well, I'm not a very good writer. Well, you know what? You don't necessarily have to be a very good writer to write a book you have to have a very good editor. (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah. If you have good ideas and you're good at storytelling, which all of them are skills you can learn. Absolutely. All of these. I love um, James Scott Bell. I don't know if you've heard of him. Hmm. Um, He does a lot of books for fiction writing, um, for plotting, and I forget all of them now, but he's got a whole series about books to help with people with fiction writing. And one of his books I, I read he was told in high school or college, you know, either you're born to be a writer or you're not. Mm. And he believed, he said, I believe that life for years. And then mm-hmm. he, I think he became a lawyer or something like that and was really unfulfilled and really wanted to write. And so he figured out and learned he could teach himself the skills by reading books and taking courses and going to conferences. And when he realized it's a skill set you can learn, he was like, I once believed in the lie. Right. And it was, you know, and it was probably an offhanded comment from one person that he took as a truth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want you to know if you're out there and you want to write and you have this, because uh, a lot of writers, it's, and it's probably the same thing for you, it burns inside you and you're like, it'll gnaw you and just drive you crazy until you do it. Yep. And so, that is why you want to make sure you can learn it, you know, just learn it. You, it, it is a skill just like anything else, you know, and athletes have to practice and have coaches. Doctors have to go through residency, you know, almost every profession, there's something you've got to do to learn the skills. Nobody walks into any profession at the top as highest level. Yeah. They've had to work their way up there. Right. And so if you take your craft seriously, listen to podcasts, take courses, read books, you'll learn, you'll pick it up and you'll read and read the kind of genre you want to write and see how people write. And those that write really well, because not everybody's going to write a hundred percent well, but those that like write really well, follow them, you know, follow them on social media, follow their blogs or their podcasts, whatever, so that you can get that feel for them too, what they do and how they write. Because a lot of what I've learned is by watching what other people do who do it well. 100%. Oh, I totally agree. I think that people who want to be writers, the first step is going and reading, (laughs) reading the type of content that you want to write, um, the type of stories that you want to share. That's fantastic advice. And I wanted to, to highlight, um, where you were saying, cause I I've used this word a lot in my own, um, social media and stuff, which is enough. Mm-hmm. So important. Those things that you said, what you have, what you know, who you are, all of that is enough right now. And all of the other things can be developed, whether that's developing how you write, you know, getting a relationship with an editor that can help you, a coach, whatever. So, um, yeah, fantastic advice, Joyce. I well, love that. Something to jump off of what Brendan Burchard says too is, you know, to, to be always be seeking excellence. Mm-hmm. So, if you're in a particular business or whatever your topic is, if it's health, if it's business, if it's marketing, whatever your topic is, seek to be excellent in that topic. The way the people get to the top of the field and become an industry leader is because they're constantly seeking excellence. They're learning, how can I do this better? How can Mm -hmm. I do this different? How can I make it, you know, how can I learn more about this? Who can either mentor me? And 
mentors don't always have to be someone you actually know. People like I was mentored by Michael Hyatt and Jeff Goins. Neither one of them, if you told them my name, they would have any clue who I was. Right. <laughs> they didn't know they were mentoring you. Yeah. But, well, one of them, I was in Jeff Goins' group and mm. then Michael Hyatt, I followed his blog for years. Yeah. That's why I started blogging. Right. Blogging got me going and exercised my brain for writing for the public. Yeah. Because it was different. When I started writing and knew people's eyeballs were going to be on it, it was like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I need to really make sure this sounds good, it looks good, and it's grammar. It's correct, yeah. you know. And I and that's where I went through through other blogs and I looked at how are they writing? Mm -hmm. What do they, they suggest? Mm -hmm. And that helped me so much to develop my own writing style. When when I say look at other people, you want to emulate them, but you want to be yourself. You want to yes. be your voice. You want to have your own um, opinions. You know, if you just go and mimic what somebody's doing, but you don't put your own twist or spin on it, that's right. boring. It's going to fall flat because you're not them. Right. Oh yeah. No regurgitating. No, no, you know, quote unquote copying. I, this is something I see a lot of people struggle with in the beginning. Um, and I think we all do it, but that's like how we start to learn. But to your point, you really have to, start embracing like your own voice, your own opinions, taking other people's ideas and saying, um, and I did a video on this a while back and it really resonated with people. It's like, what do you agree with about what they're saying? What do you disagree with? How could you go farther? What questions do you still have? And that's a really great way to make something your own and kind of start thinking about it in right. your way. Right. Formulate your own opinions on it. And it's some of the, those things that'll take you know, months and years possibly for you to figure out, Yeah. but think about it more analytically, less emotionally, mm -hmm. just because they do it different doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It's just not the way you would like it done. Yeah. And it may not be the best way for you or a lot of people. And so, and this is something I tell people all the time too, and don't worry if, you know, like there's a gazillion business coaches and life coaches and health coaches out there but there's only so much time they can handle with people. Yeah. So that's why it's still good to be one because there's enough people to go around. For sure. But you've got to be your own voice. You've mm -hmm. got to be your own person, your own um, brand. If you're doing something like that, you have your own brand. And like, I've worked really hard on my brand um, for years and you know, it's, clean and crisp and there's my colors but there's also my style and my style is simple easy to the point mm -hmm. you know to help people because if you overcomplicate things especially with what I'm doing people are going to tune out you know? yeah oh but yeah but if you've got one two three this is what you need to do I can do three things you know yeah that's 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 it and yep. so um, when you break things down for people, that's what helps. You got to figure out what your gift. My gift is being able to take something big and complicated and breaking it down. And so people come to me with topics that are not my expertise, but once they explain it to me, what they're trying to do, I can help break that down for them. Mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, what is your reader need? I think if you went this way, with it first for them and then did this and then did that with them that would be a great way to present it in your book and they're like oh and that's <laughs> like what you were saying talking with somebody and yeah. working it out it really is key and helpful because somebody's going to look at your work more objectively than you are yourself yeah and you you'll have this you know you have this one way of looking at it and somebody will come in and it's like oh I didn't think about that or I didn't think, Oh, that could be misconstrued for this. <laughs> you know, right. not what I meant. Exactly. And, uh, so that is always um, good to have somebody talk to. And so we do have a free group on Facebook called write my book um, nonfiction. And that is a great place that if you want to share, you know, bits and pieces of your work or to find somebody to be a writing partner with you that could help that's a, a excellent place to start. We have close to a thousand members now. Oh, and awesome. So, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty active group. So it's a great place to get to know other writers, 
to get some help. We do trainings in there. So all of that is a good place to check out. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And, and just for our listeners, um, I was on Joyce's podcast, Joyce and Sherry Lynn's podcast, just a little while ago. And that's where we had that conversation around um, what it's so helpful for someone who's trying to write and maybe you're in your head a little too much is to go get outside perspective, talk Mm -hmm. to somebody else um, and just get those ideas, you know, on a springboard or whatever. Because when we get too much in our own head about any aspect of business or writing, it's really hard to kind of get out of that, that um, viewpoint, right? right? Yeah. It clears your mind and helps you to kind of clarify, yeah, this is really what I want. This is right. what I really mean. This is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, my history with writing um, and learning how to write better is very similar to yours in that I devoured blogs. Like I spent a lot of time on blogs and many of the names that you mentioned, um, the same one. So we were probably reading the same articles at the same time <laughs> under the same moon and we didn't know it. Um, so to get a little more sort of tactical around like the writers that you work with, do you recommend people pursue traditional publishing, self-publishing? What are you kind of seeing in the industry right now? That is the million dollar question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's no right or wrong answer, right? But yeah, I'm just curious. There's pros and cons to each. And that's part of what we teach in the Write My Book Bootcamp course is the pros and cons. Because if you're self-publishing, it falls on your shoulders, the Mm -hmm. financially, um, emotionally, the marketing, Mm -hmm. all of it falls on your shoulders. And some people love doing that. Some people hate doing that and do it out of because they have to. And some people that they pursue that on purpose. Um, like one example is speakers. If you are a professional speaker and you go around and you speak a lot, self-publishing your book is actually more beneficial to you because you're going to make more per book than traditionally publishing. Now, if you're traditionally publishing, there's a couple of advantages. You know, you got the credibility of the publisher behind Mm -hmm. you. So you've got a third party validation automatically. Um, you have, they have, they do some marketing, but as many people know, the publishing world's changed the past 10 years mm-hmm. and marketing is a lot of it's left up to you. I mean, they probably won't even look at you unless you have a huge following and you can clearly say, Hey, I can sell 5,000 to 8,000 books in the next year. Mm-hmm. If you can't do those two things, they're not going to probably look at you, um, and there's all kinds of publishers, and that's where you got to be careful. There's also vanity publishing. Mm-hmm. And um, for those that are listening, but I think you know what that is, right? Yes. Um, they'll say, hey, come here. We'll do everything your book, your cover. We'll edit. We'll market. And you've got to buy 5,000 books, and it's this much. You know, it's $6,000 to work with us, mm-hmm. seven, whatever. That's vanity publishing you got to be very careful with those. There are some that are good mm-hmm. and some that aren't. Yeah, a lot um, that aren't. <laughs> yeah, I would the argue, majority, yeah. The majority is not. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have talked with a few exceptions. Um, one lady is, if you're a lady and you are interested in publishing a book, changeherstory.org is a nonprofit. Mm. And she tries to help women self-publish who can't afford to. Mm self-publish on their own but she's sort of a hybrid of a vanity traditional publishing um so you would have to speak with her but if you go to changerstory.org there's a tab on there somewhere where you can connect with them to about publishing your book um but traditional publishing is also good if you um you know marketing maybe isn't your thing i mean you're still going to have to market so you got to get For that sure. in your head yeah but yeah, or maybe you just want it. You want that credential. Mm-hmm. I was traditionally published. You right. know, and some people, and I, I go back and forth um, because, and here's the other thing: traditionally publishing, uh, the timeline is anywhere from eighteen to twenty-four months after you get a contract. Right. <laughs> uh, so first, and getting a contract could take six months to a year. 
Mm -hmm. So you, with traditional publishers, you need to find an agent because most publishers will not speak to you without an agent now. And you'll want an agent because the agent's going to help you. They're like real estate agents. They're going to make sure your contract is as best as it can be. And it's beneficial to you because there's things that if you went straight to a publisher and you didn't understand how contracts are structured, you could screw yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be in the publisher's favor because obviously they want it to be in their favor right and some publishers aren't doing it on purpose some do um so you just got that's why you need an agent who knows these things who's in the field and there's always there's all kinds of ways to find agents to me one of the best ways is conferences that's where a lot of agents hang out you get to know them a little more personally because they're there most conferences have something um called um, where you can do have a little 15 minute session hmm. and you can present your work and you can bring your book proposal and show them, Hey, this is what I'm working on. And they'll give you feedback. You know, they'll tell you, Hey, you might need to work on this a little more or your platform's not big enough yet. Work on that. You know, they'll give you feedback and you can ask questions. And sometimes it's good. Like I haven't had a book proposal already when in the couple of conferences I've been to, but I just went and talked to them and say, hey, here's my idea. Um, what do you think about that? And they've given me excellent feedback because um, I'm working on a novel, which as I've said, is not my expertise. I'm mm -hmm. learning the process of novel writing. And so I've gotten great feedback from them about this idea and what publishers are looking for. So you need to find an agent who has your genre, whatever it is, and then you need to, then they will go and find publishers. And part of that is you may have to do some due diligence too, because I was working with one lady and she wasn't getting any traction from her book proposal. And so she went online and looked up some publishers and she found one that she thought would be good and she went and told her agent about it. And so then he went and presented the proposal to them there might be some due diligence that you need to do on your own too. So, but you know, the, the long, the short story of the long story is <laughs> what benefits you the best? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do financially? Financially, traditionally is going to be a little less stressful to you because the publisher is going to pick up, you know, the cost of the printing and all of that you still probably have some cost with marketing because um, if I understand correctly, you, if you do a Facebook ad, you know, that's going to be up to you. That's not something that the publisher is going to pay for. Right. Unless that's, you know, something in your contract, but I haven't mm -hmm. heard of any publishers paying for Facebook ads. Right. And same thing for Amazon ads. Um, so you, there's the pros and cons. And it's one of those things you just, you need to go and research it and maybe talk with some people about it. And I think I have a podcast about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I do. Cause I've talked with, um, I've interviewed a couple different agents and we've talked about it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they can go to my site and look at the podcast listings and it'll say, cause it says self-publishing, traditional publishing in the title. So you'll know which one it is, Perfect. but yeah, it just, it all depends on what, is best for you and what you can handle. Yeah. Um, the the goals. People, right. Yeah. But just know self-publishing is faster. You're going to get, get more money from it, but it, the marketing and the finances are on you. Traditional publishing is a much longer process and you're not going to get as much money per book because of the publishers got to get their money back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you will probably get a royalty an advance of some sort and then you'll get royalties after the advance is paid back, right. um, which an advance could take three, four, five years to be paid back. So right. <laughs> keep all of that in mind when you're bouncing that back and forth and just, you know, it never hurts to check with agents and get their opinions because right. all agents will tell you. And of course, most of them are going to be pro-traditional because they want you as a client. If that, you know. Right, right. But a lot of them will be honest and right. they'll say, because I mean, here's, you know, for the self-publishing world, I'll give you two people that are excellent at it. Brenda Burchard, 
Mm -hmm. is excellent. He self-publishes book and he's made New York Times bestseller. Mm -hmm. Just for those you don't know, New York Times bestseller is a strategy. It is not a popularity contest. (laughs) (laughs) There is a strategy to it to get to to it. So it's not like, oh, wow, all these people love him. Well, yeah, they do, but he's been working on this for years. Yeah. And there's a strategy to, to become a New York Times bestseller. Um, but then also for fiction, self-publishing, Hallie Bridgman, H-A-L-E-E, Bridgman, okay. Bridge and Man. Um, if you just Google her, she'll come up. She has a website, Hallie Bridgman, I think it's HallieBridgman.com. Um, she has been self-publishing her own novels because she's in a, she's in a strange genre. She um, writes uh, Christian fiction, but it's a little edgier than most fiction christian fiction publishers mm. want to publish gotcha um and it, and when i say edgier i'm not like she's you know you know um 50 shades of gray <laughs> right <laughs> it, it's just a little bit different and so she chose to start self-publishing and that her and her husband actually created a publishing company and i think it's called olivia kimball press or something like that um and you might can even find that on her her Hallie Bridgman site but anyways she is very successful with self-publishing books she's and I don't know how many books she's written a ton Mm -hmm. and she writes fast a lot of her books are novellas you know they're little shorter novels um but then she has some full-length novels too so those two would be good to check out for people because so Brendan Bouchard would be in the personal development realm and Hallie Richmond's in the fiction realm and just see what they're doing. Yeah. Um, Hallie does a newsletter and she works her newsletter. She has a growing list and that's another big key. If whether you're self or traditional publishing, start an email list and that's another whole broadcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. But very good advice for, yes, <laughs> regardless. Yeah. Regardless of whether you're a writer, what your business looks like, get on get an email list because you own that. Yes. Um, but like you said, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, I thought you were being facetious when you said, I think I have a podcast on it, which is why I laughed because I was thinking you meant like on writing and that you're being facetious. <laughs> and I was like, well, yes, you do have a podcast. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned, um, why, you know, you mentioned in there, um, talking about self-publishing or traditional publishing that people need to be doing their own marketing. They need to have an audience They need to be able to show either a traditional publisher that they can move books, or if you're self-published, obviously, you know, you need to be able to move books. What do you think are the best social platforms for writers and authors? I would say the top three are Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I personally don't do much on Pinterest anymore. Mm. I have seen some people that do things out there, but I don't feel like, in my opinion, Pinterest is the best for writers. Um, Twitter, just in the past six weeks, have I become more active on Twitter because I'm working with Keith Keller. We've created a course on how to build your audience on Twitter at, for writers. Mm. And um, it is, it's opened a whole new world to me because I was a link dropper on Twitter for yeah. <laughs> I've link drop and run because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't get it because in my opinion at first it was like 280 characters are you kidding me mm-hmm. like I can't say what I need to say in 280 characters yeah but when I've learned what I've learned from Keith on how it's like a movie trailer for a movie it's like this is the teaser mm-hmm. to the bigger information and it was kind of like this light bulb went off I get it now. Yeah. And then I've been on Facebook for years. I love Facebook. I, that's where I have a lot of more personal connections. That's mm-hmm. where I'm in the group. And so I love Facebook. I've been more active on Instagram since last fall because I have a friend of mine who's, I call her the IG queen. She <laughs> helps people on Instagram. And she helped me for a couple months to get mine um, in better shape. And, you know, Instagram is its own little world too. And then LinkedIn, if you are more on the business side, and when I say the business side, marketing, business coaching, life coaching, um, maybe even health coaching, um, 
that side of the world, LinkedIn is very good too. And it's, it's really upped its game in the past couple of weeks. And we do have a podcast releasing next week about authors being on LinkedIn. Mm, awesome. Um, and I, I'll, I'll give away the big key. LinkedIn is for connections for writers. Yes. It is not a place to sell your book. Right. Um, but that's where you can find agents. You can find other writers. You can find um, publishers to connect with them. That's what that platform's for. And again, that's back to learning what each platform does and is for. And I'm still learning that, you know. And so I, there were some of the things she told me on the LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So each interview has been wonderful to learn from people what they are doing because it's their expertise. Um, so definitely Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then LinkedIn. Yeah. And again, but then my caveat to that is pick one or yes. two. If you were just starting out growing your platform, get to know how they work Absolutely. Use them to learn how to use them. And don't be a link dropper like I was on Twitter. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> um, if you don't, don't link and run, because if you make that, it's all about connections and conversations. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. I'm in something called 20K Nation that's run by Katia Barbonia, Bar, Barbanova. <laughs> I can say her last name. She's Bulgarian, so hard for me to say. <laughs> anyways, um, Katia has taught me the best thing about social media is create conversations yes you don't want a bunch of here's my blog here's my blog buy my book buy my book you you just are a loud noise in the yes. all the stuff that's out there but if you create conversations create you know your own quirkiness whatever it is because like katia's got a quirky personality she's known as the viral um Stream viral uh, video lady because mm. she does all these crazy videos. She did a parody on a um, Taylor Swift song that's hilarious. <laughs> and so, but you don't have to do that, you know. And I mean, that's not my personality. If I right. went and tried to do that, I would look stupid. That's <laughs> right. not my Same here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, what in the heck is that? It would be very. But, it would come across very inauthentic coming from me. Yeah. Yes. And, but I'm more of a sarcastic humor, you yes. know, and that, or dry humor and that kind of like slapstick kind right. of stuff or puns, you know, I'm very same. Punny. I think cause we're writers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same wordplay. <laughs> yeah. And so that's my kind of humor. And those are the things that I share. So I share a funny and this will help you, especially on Facebook and on Twitter. This works. And then, you know, it works with Instagram too, but you got to be strategic how you put it on Instagram. A funny and something beneficial, you know, from some other about somebody else about your topic. So if you're a health coach, find a topic about why, you know, an article about why eating, not eating sugar is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Share it. When you, that's that third party validation. Hey, I'm, this article, I think is a good article. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And I do that with other writers. I share their articles about writing. Right. And it helps my people in my group and it helps people on my page. But those are the big three is, you know, besides your own content, you know, create a conversation, ask things, you know, are you struggling with X, Y, Z? What's the place that you wish you could go visit? You know, just start a conversation, have a poll. Um, somebody did um, a poll on Twitter today and they said, if you had $50,000, where would you go? And they had Hawaii, Europe, and I forget some other places. And um, I put Europe because I have German and Swiss heritage and I've never been and I'd love to go. And if you right. had $50,000, you could go and stay for a month without a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Unless you, you have a spending problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. Unless you have a serious spending problem. Some people could use that today. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it would be fun to do that. So do you see what I'm saying? That yep. that creates a conversation that has really not have anything to do with my topic, but it just gives chance for people to know me and I get to exactly. know Exactly. The personal brand. I mean, I could rant about the personal branding aspect of it because that's a huge part of what I do. Um, and that is so important. And I think people get stuck going, 
and of course we do have to talk about the same topic again and again it's our niche it's our specialty whatever but you can also just have those great conversations around other things that allow people to get to know you your personality um i love that you say you know focus on the conversations because that's something that i teach people but i also had to learn for myself I'm very active on LinkedIn. I need to be better on Twitter because I love like Twitter chats and things like that mm -hmm. for that very reason. I found that even when I just go comment on other people's stuff and I'm not creating my own original content, my audience grows, people read my stuff. Like you start to see a lot more activity. You start to, you know, get clients and things like that. Don't you, I mean, people need to maybe step back and stop being overwhelmed by what do I say? What do I put out there of my own? and just go comment on other people's stuff as a good starting right. point. Right. It's a great, it's a great, you know, starting point. Just have conversations, like you said. Yeah. And I, I had that happen today. I shared tweet, two different tweets of a guy. And I noticed before we got on our call, he had tweeted what I had tweeted today. He retweeted one of my tweets. Mm. A lot, a lot of tweeting there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Retweeting tweets and tweeting. And I'm seeing more of that because mm -hmm. I've been doing this now for six weeks since Keith has taught me what I need to be doing. If you make it about them. Yes. And um, it's something we, we shared at the 80, 20 rule, 80% mm -hmm. them, 20% you. So for every 10 posts, eight of them should be about, you know, a retweet of somebody else's sharing their podcast, their article, their content, or their funny poll or their funny meme, whatever it is, and 20% your content and your conversations. Absolutely. And I love that because then you, it's about them and it's not buy my book, buy my book, read my blog, read my blog. For and sure. Please don't put that on your post. I have <laughs> a post that says, this is my latest blog and it's the link. Yeah. No, give context. Give a, yeah. Give you do day. I wrote a blog too. Yes. Or they just link direct, like it's just a link to their post on Instagram. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. They link to their post on Instagram. Yeah. No. Don't link your Instagram post to Twitter because it does not convey well. And no. I mean, I went to somebody's Twitter account to follow them and every single one of her posts were from Instagram. Yeah. Well, then I could just follow you on Instagram. What's the point of following? Yeah. I want, yeah. Yeah. No, great, great words of wisdom, Joyce. I love this. I think like so many, well, so many of my listeners I know are writers, even if they're not authors, quote unquote, right? They are writers. Um, you have to be, if you run an online business, you have to be a writer. So <laughs> like there's no way around it. Um, so this has been so wonderful. I know you have some things to plug. You have a course, you have a podcast. What do you want people to know um, where they can go, learn more about you, get involved? Well, you can find everything at therightcoach.biz. There's the podcast link and the courses are there. But the, the, our signature course that we're, we do twice a year is called Write My Book Bootcamp. So it'll open up again in September. But if you want to know more about it and keep up to date with the podcast, then just sign up for our, our newsletter that, that's on the main page. There's like two different places you can sign up. So and it's right there when you get on the page. So if you miss it, you're blind. <laughs> but the next thing um, that I really want everybody to do right now is uh, we've got a course with, I told you about Keith Keller, with um, Keith called How to Build Your Audience on Twitter. And what I love about that course, because he talks about hashtags and lists and everything, is it also, some of that conveys over to other platforms. Hashtags are on Facebook. Hashtags are very important on Instagram. And hashtags are used on LinkedIn now. I don't know if people are noticing that, but hashtags are even used on LinkedIn. So getting a concept, if you don't have any idea how hashtags are used, learning it on one platform and then getting really good at it and then going to another platform and perfecting it there too. Because hashtags um, on Instagram are probably going to be a little different than on Twitter. You do have to be more strategic, and on I do know this from my IG queen friend I told you about. Um, the hashtag has to be related to the image, or um, Instagram is going to market as spam. Because if it's not related to image, they're going to think you're spamming people. Right. And so you, you can get 
shadow ban, which I hate that word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't you shadow ban me. Yeah. <laughs> Do not put I've me in the shadows. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I've been nice to people. You know, like I'm not a bad girl. Don't, don't do that to me. So, but, um, but the, the, how to build your audience on Twitter, you can find at the right coach.biz forward slash build. So, um, and I'm, do you have some show notes you can put yep, that? Yep. I'll put it in there. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So just go to the show notes, but it's the right coach.biz. Don't forget the D. A lot of people will put in right coach.biz or the right coach, or they'll do right coach.com. It's like it's not.com. Right. B I Z. So, um, and then build. So, but she'll have the links in the show notes for you. And on that page, you'll learn more about that course. And we're actually adding some things to the course over the next week. And it's a, uh, it's a $29.95 um, course. So it's very oh, expensive. Yeah, very accessible. Help you, um, you know, get, and that's $29.95, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not it, these days, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> not $2,995. It's 30 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> $30. Right. So it's an inexpensive way to start building your audience. And like I said, a lot of the things that we teach in that actually translate over to other platforms too. For sure. Because um, like one of the things we teach about was that 80-20 I told you about. Uh, that applies to any platform. For sure. Any platform that you're on, except for Instagram, because you can't really share other people's stuff, but you need to be liking their stuff and commenting yes. on it. Um, you, you need to be doing that. So the course is obviously focused on Twitter because Keith is a Twitter expert. But like I said, a lot of it translates to other platforms. So check it out. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think people should definitely do that. Very accessible price point, but also, um, as we discussed on your podcast, um, Twitter is huge for writers. You can build relationships on there, find agents if you're not going to conferences, you know, have those conversations. I love Twitter for um, the writing community on there. So that sounds amazing. I will link that in the show notes as well as um, your podcast and um, your Facebook group. I'll make sure to link that in there as well. So Joyce, thank you so much for spending time with me today, sharing all of your amazing knowledge with our listeners. And um, yeah, I know we'll talk soon. All right. Well, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to learn better branding and communication skills or more about this podcast, please visit www.candidlyerin.com or just say the word podcast.com. You can also find me everywhere on social media at Candidly Aaron, and make sure to use the hashtag just say the word in your social media posts so I can see your stories of resilience, transformation, and lessons learned because your story matters. Remember, your story is your legacy. Everybody has a story and the world should hear yours.